the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 61, and our guest is Rhett Smith. I see so many Before we get into our conversation with Rhett, uh, I'd like to ask a favor. The, the timing of releasing a podcast episode right now uh, or an album or any creative work is just really, really strange and fraught with all kinds of questions. Um, Rhett's put out an amazing record, and, and I want to give that its due, but my mind is so so incredibly distracted and um, and twisted uh, in knots about what to do in response to um, systemic racism and police brutality in this country. It's, it's something I've worked on for much of my professional career outside of my creative life, and we talk about it on the show quite a bit as well. Um, but there's always more to do, and right now is an especially important time to do whatever we can, of course. Um, so I, I would like to ask you a favor. Usually at the end of the show, um, I ask listeners to join our Patreon community or send us a tip, and then I do what I'm getting down on. Um, I'm not going to do that this time. I'm actually going to introduce Rhett. We're going to have the conversation, and then the episode will will end with a little bit of Rhett's music. Um, This time, I'd like to do something different, and what I'd like to do is ask you if you can swing it, if you financially can swing a few bucks to donate to the organization of your choice that is, um, that's working to combat racial injustice in America. Um, I'm doing what I can, um, whatever little bit I can, can do. The two that I personally endorse and that I have contributed to are fair fight. Fairfight.com is where you can find that. This is the organization started by Stacey Abrams, um, who had the 2018 gubernatorial race in Georgia um, just taken from her through state state sanctioned voter suppression. Um, Stacey Abrams, if you're not familiar, is an African American woman. Um, it was very much a racist act what happened to her and what happened to voters in Georgia. Uh, this has to stop, and it has to stop at the highest levels. We've we've got to get rid first of all of the president, um, and he has to be voted out of office. If people show up, if people vote he'll lose. It really is that simple. If, if people vote, he'll lose. And I understand the frustration. Um, I understand people wanted a different candidate than the one the Democrats have proffered. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. For right now, for this moment, he has to go. And so do racist governors all over the country. Um, here in Florida, we have Ron DeSantis. He's got quite a bit of time left on his term, but we have to get rid of him once that time comes. We have to vote him out of office, and Fair Fight's working to do that. Um, the other one that I uh, that I donated to that I support is Colin Kaepernick's, Colin Kaepernick's Know Your Rights, knowyourrightscamp.com, uh, to donate to that. You know, I've been a supporter of Caps for a long time, both as a player before he started protesting, um, and also as as a humanitarian and and a, a proponent of the First Amendment and a an advocate and a fearless leader for the rights of African Americans in this country, um, it's a meme, but it's but it's real and it's a stark reminder. Um, the photos juxtaposed of Colin Kaepernick um, 
kneeling with uh, the officer who murdered George Floyd kneeling. Um, those are powerful images that speak to where we are and something has to be done. Um, thankfully, CAP has been and will continue to work to educate people about their rights to to help to combat injustice. And um, so those are the two that, that I'm supporting right now. There are a lot of great organizations uh, across the country in your own communities or, or wherever. But if you can swing it, I mean, even a few bucks makes a big difference. Um, like I said, I, I, I just... I feel odd releasing a podcast episode right now, but um, but I also think what Rhett has done is a beautiful piece of work, and it should be celebrated. And it really fucking sucks the timing of all of this. Um, but justice doesn't happen at convenient times, right? <laughs> we can't we can't wait for the perfect time for for change to occur. Um, we need the president to resign. Um, we need accountability for the police. And, and we need so much more, of course. But uh, in my mind, step one is we got to have the president to step down or get defeated. That has to happen. And I think those two organizations will help us to move toward that goal. All right, guys. Let's get to the conversation with Rhett. Rhett Smith's latest record giving up on quitting is a sonic shift for him. It is a beautiful piece of work. It is a, a literary personal album where Rhett Smith's personal uh, challenges, his um, his humanity, um, who he is, is laid bare. And it's uh, a really fantastic record. I highly recommend checking it out. Um, Rhett is a fascinating guy. Before taking up guitar and writing songs, Rhett was a professional alpine skier. Uh, so we dove into that and we dove into the similarities and differences between um, skiing and making music, uh, sports and creative life we talked about the great uh the influence of great literature on the process of writing we talked about living up to expectations of others there's just so much and uh, i'm so grateful for this opportunity y'all check out red's record um hopefully for just a few minutes you can turn your brain off and enjoy this conversation and uh and and celebrate something really really beautiful um that has been recently released into the world you can find all things Rhett Smith at rhettsmithmusic.com. Everyone, it is my great pleasure to present my conversation with Rhett Smith. Hello? Hey, Rhett, it's Jason Earl. Hey, dude, so, I'm so sorry. It's uh, all good, man. It's lost track good. of time there. It's all good. It happens. I, and I think that's like, uh, I was just looking at my notes and I, and I was going, all right, his record comes out. Oh, shit, it comes out Friday. What day is this? Yeah, it's weird, right? It's like time now is, is, a, is a foreign concept, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, it's all good, man. I um i was doing something else creatively it's like the 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 positive byproduct of all of this is it feels like um i do have time to create so i'm just like well if i have a second while i'm waiting i'll go ahead and write and then you called and oh, hell i yeah, just like awesome. fumbled my computer and it was just a mess so. <laughs> so well thanks so much for doing this man i'm looking forward to talking to you i'm really enjoying your record giving up on quitting oh dude thanks for having me yeah, it, I mean, it's it, you've done a really wonderful thing, and I, I want to. I'm so fascinated by your story, and and I want to hear about the making of the record, and I want to hear about your process. Um, but for folks who don't know you, can we start with the 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 history of you as an athlete, and maybe uh, specifically how you ended up from going from that to being a songwriter? Um. Sorry, I, I cut out a little bit, but um, so how I, I lived, I was born in, in West Texas, but I grew up um, in this town called Rio Doso, New Mexico, that's like the southernmost ski area in the United States, pretty much. And so it's a mountain town and it, you know, you think of New Mexico as desert, but this is definitely like pine trees and you know, big peak and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But, um, and simply put, like my parents 
moved us there just because they loved the little town and the weather and they they actually like commuted back and forth to all to um and so a lot of my time was spent taken to the ski area you know by a babysitter or whatever and just kind of having that be where i grew up um and so like started competing from that in skiing just because I, you know, that's just what I was my passion and went to, you know, in my early teenage years, um, well, really when I was like 12, I started going to uh, Austria for pretty much the entire school year and competing there out of like a sports academy with a group and um, just kind of kept progressing all the way until you know, late teenage years being, you know, internationally ranked, traveling U.S. ski team, um, you know, pretty much the, the, the reach, getting close to the, the highest level of the sport. And, and it would, it would be kind of like, you know, between AAA and, and majors, Mm -hmm. you know, you're kind of, you're on, you're on, you're, you're a AAA player, but you're, you know, you're, I was still young, at 19 to be at that level for the, you know, um, injuries were, were a major thing in my, in my life. And I, ever since I was really young, I was always getting injured. And then later on, um, you know, I, I had, I had a couple pretty serious injuries and that, that was, that was it for me. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't get around, the effects that I was having anymore are like the, the year long rehabs and things like that. And so what, what it, having that time off from injuries all, all the time kind of um, led me to writing. And that was how I really learned to deal with things. Cause it's also, you're also isolating when you're injured, right? You can't yeah. go, you're not really hanging out. You can't do much. Right. And so I, I was, I was, I, I had this connection to, to writers. And of course they were, you know, what I think a lot of people find like when they're first exposed to, like they think they, the whole new world's open up because it has, it's like the Hemingways and the, and then to the Bukowski to, you, you know, just getting into that kind of, you know, hard on the sleeve ultra, but, but still like maybe ultra, I don't know. Um, I, 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 I related to the idea of uh, it, it felt masculine to me to to be able to be the most vulnerable vulnerable version of yourself and was drawn to that right away. Oh, that's beautiful. No, what, um, did, did, yeah, sorry. Was, go ahead. was there somebody like in your life that was introducing you to those particular? I mean, you just named two of my favorites. Hemingway is probably my favorite ever, and then I have a. Bukowski book sitting right next to my bed at all times like yeah what what was it was there someone who was introducing you to that did you grow up reading a lot um or how why was it those particular authors in that moment that you gravitated toward you know it was really just just I I discovered it on my own you know and I'm sure that somewhere in my unconscious self it had been I I you know i I'm sure it had come up before and you latch onto those things, but I, 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 I would discover these writers and it, it's that, and I, I think a lot of people can relate to this that, that didn't have, like I'm from a tiny town, you know, and like being around athletes, like you're not going to be, you know, skiing's like less, less like bro than most right. sports, but it's still, you know, you're still not going to be like reciting Faulkner, right. <laughs> you know, right. yeah. or whatever. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I discovered it on my own, and you think a, a person then thinks that they've discovered everything. You know, yeah. like when you first, like if you go, if you go read um, a Farewell to Arms, you know, and it's like your life changes, and you think it's really easy to think that you're you're the only one that's ever felt this and then you learn the deeper you go you know that it's like oh no these are universal feelings and like um oh god i remember that moment with that book oh totally 
Totally. In my early 20s. Uh, I was like 23. Yeah, it's, it's so important, you know? Um, wow. And so that's, so, but see, I didn't play, I didn't play an instrument, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, that was, that was something that like, I, I always loved guitar. I, I, I really did. Like, I remember, you know, studying a Sears catalog. I mean, it sounds like I'm, I'm 60 years old. I'm not obviously, but literally like as a, as an eight year old being like, holy shit, here's a copy strat in a Sears catalog or of the Christmas catalog, whatever it was, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and like begging to get it. And I was actually given a, given that guitar and, but no, you know, I never knew how to tune it. So it was just like, Oh, I don't possess the talent to do this. Like that's fine. That's people. People either. People. That's how green I was. It's not like I, I thought people. You know, grab a guitar and could play a chord, and that's how it works. And it's right. like, oh, clearly I don't have it. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so it was. That was always like in the back of my mind of like, okay, well I can't play. But then, you know, after I, I moved to New York when I stopped skiing to just kind of get as far away from that world as I could so I was living in the city and like started being my sister was there and was in fashion and um so I was I was kind of that was when I first started getting exposed to real artists and like people who it was their you know their profession uh, along with their passion oh wow and so when I moved to New York in my early 20s that's when I really started to learn um what what makes art art you know, and, and, and these, uh, a singular vision that expands to most and all, all, you know, not, not to get too cliche, but like that's, that resonates with me still. Um, and I also learned, learned then that if you have something to say, and if, if like, I, I always had songs in my head or melodies in my head that if, if you have that, to get the utility to, to play it is just work, yeah. you know? Um, and so I took that approach and just really dove into to learning guitar and theory. I love that. And I find it so interesting because so many times I, my process, I, I dabble in writing songs and my process is definitely words first. And then I got to figure out where the melody is. And I, I saw that you somewhere in the press materials cool, or something yeah. like that's similar for you. Right. And that has to come from, I'm guessing from that fact that you were, you were consuming all of this great, um, this great literature, and then you learn the music part later. I think I can relate to that because I think it's very similar for me. Dude, and that's so crazy. That's so awesome that you say that because I, you never hear that. Never. Like, like, and and you're the first person I've ever spoken to that says that, and and you're spot on. It's so clear where that comes from when you are exposed to the influences in that way. It's yeah. like we weren't. We weren't, you know, tapping out Van Halen at 14 right. because we just, I, I just missed that whole era that takes yeah. away sometimes your voice. Yeah. You know, I never learned guitar to try to play anything other than my songs. Like, obviously, like you have, to, you know, I'm not saying that they're, uh, you know, the greatest things I've ever written. What I'm saying is it just didn't interest me, you know, to play Stairway to Heaven, even though like that's a byproduct of learning guitar. Well, and I, let me ask you about this, because this, I think for me, a lot of it was the fact that I was so into sports that I, and, and two things, one, I was personally into it, and two, the little town I grew up in valued sports way more than it valued music. Oh, totally, yeah. So, I was really into music, but nobody in my family was, nobody played an instrument, there was, I wasn't Same. encouraged in that direction, right? It wasn't, cel we didn't celebrate local bands, like... That wasn't a thing on a broader scale. In my mind, it was like, if I wanted girls to like me, which I did, then I needed to be good at sports. And if I was good at guitar, that wasn't going to help me in that. I wanted to be good at guitar, but I, if my time was going to go between one or the other, and to be a world-class athlete like you were, you got to really dedicate yourself to that particular discipline. Like You don't have the time in, in so many ways to do Oh, totally. Yeah, dude, you're, you're spot on. And it's like, for me, it's like, it wasn't even a discussion what I was and what I wasn't right. Like that had already, that had already happened. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there's, you get to grow within that, but you don't, you know, we're, we're talking about it now, right? Like that's how big of an impact those things you do in your life set course and yeah. set the precedent for like how things go. 
you know, yeah. because in in actual reality, like who who knows which one is not to sound just like incredibly conceited, which it, it's hard not to talking like in this in this way, but it's like you know out of all the people in the world who play music compared to all the people in the world who skied, it's probably harder to get here talking to you, but as a musician, right. you know, just, just statistically, right. but it has, it, it, it has no comparison to the way people think in those, t in the towns that we're from about athletes compared to musicians. Right. Right. And it, and as a kid, you're so, not everybody. I was at least. I shouldn't speak for anybody else. But for me, I was so um, looking back on it, so influenced by my image at that time as a kid growing up, versus now where I'm much more interested and much more concerned with: Am I doing things that get me excited? Am I doing things that matter to me every day? Am I doing things that make me happy? Because if I, because now I've recognized, if I do those things, and those things are getting up and writing writing some more and writing some more you right. know if i'm doing those things right. then i know i'm happier and thus I, I would assume my public image is much stronger than it would be if i was trying to chase something that um, maybe i liked totally. but i wasn't wasn't fulfilling that need like you've talked about that before i read that you you talked about like uh, i think the quote was and correct me if this is wrong i would be terrified to see what my life looked like without this music Totally. And that's that. And I think that's that's kind of what you're saying as well, is that like, in a sense, that, that might be the, kind of the next step of that. But coming f there's. Whenever it doesn't matter if it's music or if it's sports or what it is, if you're giving a part of you to it, that's genuine mm -hmm. and and you're going to have that fulfillment. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's like the first step. What I what I was talking about whenever I said I would hate to see what my life would look looks like if I did, if I didn't have music in it if I couldn't play it if I didn't have the capacity I know what that is you know because there was a t there was a, a period where that didn't exist or whenever I couldn't tell people the level of focus I had on music because they would laugh at me because I was I was I was not that I was not a musician I was an athlete you know and it's yeah. it's it was there was that period and more like intimately there's a there's a direct correlation between me being able to function with dealing with depression and dealing with you know these these extremes that i think i have mm -hmm. um and not in the sense of not not to like knock anybody but it's not it's not necessarily like truly chemical it's not mm -hmm. it's not like i'm bipolar and it like i'm not suggesting those things what i'm suggesting is it's like I, I had a shot at life at a level most people never get to, and that went away. And now I get to do it again, and I don't take that lightly. Yeah. Like that's unheard of, and I feel it's important for me to acknowledge that like that's insanely fortunate. And I work hard, and I, 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 I take a lot of responsibility in given that chance, but yeah. it's still extremely fortunate. You know, I have the outlet that I never had, you know, with all of these emotions. And what would you do then? You know, right. it's, it wouldn't look, it wouldn't look great. I don't think, no. or at the very least back to what you said, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be radiating something other people want to be around. Right. Right. Exactly. And, oh God, I can relate to everything you're saying. So the, the, the end of your athletic career like mine wasn't on your level i was uh but i played baseball and it mattered to me and uh it mattered to me a great deal and i was good but i wasn't uh division one good right i was like i right, right. i tried to walk on it at a nai division two school right so um but regardless it was my world and when i finally oh, got and cut, it was your identity right exactly and, and yes and when i got cut um I realized now, looking back, there was this huge hole, right? There's this whole, this hole in your identity, as you just nah. described it, which I, it's 100. That's a great way to put it. And there's also this, this hole in like your inner. Where's your energy gonna flow? You're spending all this time working on your craft, and your craft is just gone. And when it's skiing at the highest level, or it's baseball, or it's uh, dancing, whatever your thing is, 
And when that thing goes, there aren't real good outlets for that energy unless you find something else, right? Like I could have played rec league softball, but that wasn't going to scratch the same itch. That's not going to do it. Totally. That's the thing. Cause now you've already changed the bar right. where, you know, it, it, you've all that whole, the only way to fill it is to put that same level of dedication or more. Right. Probably has to be more yeah. because you're, because you have to reconvince people of your, of yourself. And, you know, but also you're, you know, winning a medal is a, an endorphin rush, for example, right? Um, hitting a double in the gap is an endorphin rush. The creative oh. work has to be about the process much more, you know, for sure. And gonna... the only, go ahead. No, well, you're not going to get the medal, right? I like, I'll sit and write a story. Nobody's there cheering me at the end of the story. Right. I mean, somebody may oh, never even see it, the fucking thing. Yeah. You know, exactly. Exactly. And that's where that's where I think it's a really powerful tool. And I think, you know, when you when you get around athletes too that are that are mature, that have had a full career, like I like like my friends who who have been in multiple Olympics, you know, like the like and these are my some of my best friends, but they didn't stop. Right. Like they made it. They hit that. They actually hit the pinnacle, something that I never did. Right. Yeah. Um. It's like they, they're most of them have a maturity where that shifts in them also. That the the process really is the joyful part, and mm. it's it's like they're not because they've reached goals that are that are unattainable to a, a person to anybody's normal psyche. That mm. they they tend to they tend to get in the same place that we're talking about because they still have to fill that that void also. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it not to like, there's, there's much more correlation between being, you, if you're going to, if you're going to do any sort of, of artistic, um, life choice, I, I feel that a person, you better enjoy it when no one cares and no one's watching. Like it has to be, that has to be enough. The act of doing it for, for yourself has to be enough because you're already asking too much if you think that it, it owes you more than that. Because, it, one, it's unrealistic. Yeah. It's not hard. It's, just, it's basically impossible. And two, you know, it, it doesn't, you, you're getting a fulfillment already that, is, that has to be enough. And if it's not, you shouldn't do it. You've got to go find something else. So does it does it continue to fill? And I'm I, I'm assuming it does as I listen to the record because you've clearly put a ton into this and it's it's a deeply personal record too. Does are you feeling? Are you able to feel fulfilled? Are you able to stave off the depression with the work? Is it is it all doing what it needs to do for you at this moment? Well, I think that it 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 did that while you're making it. Yeah. And it would do that when I get to play it or it does it when I get to be in those songs and I get to, they're no longer mine, you know, and it's hard now because we're obviously not touring, but it's, that would be like, that's the payoff for reaching those parts of yourself that are painful yeah. and to get that out, you know, because, because it's not like when you go play these songs live that you're recreating trauma. It doesn't have that effect. What it does is that it releases it and you get joy from, you know, being in a room with people. Right. Um, so like you had mentioned earlier, the, the process doesn't stop, you know, mm -hmm. like I have, I have the next record written or if it takes too long, I'd have the, you know, like it, it's, it's about having the outlet for myself in, in the darker ways, the, the part that you're kind of referring to, mm -hmm. to exercise that continually, because that's not ever going to go away. Writers right. write, you right. know, yeah. and, and, and that's, 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 that's it. Yeah. And when I get to when when I find myself in this position where there's, you know, people that actually know what the fuck. Uh, can I curse on here? You can curse all you want. Uh, we I have one rule that. and that's no racial slurs or bigoted comments. And I'm not worried about you on that one. <laughs> yeah, that, that. you know, that, I think that should be a, a, a pretty solid rule. That's my one rule. Society. I would I, I haven't yeah. had that yet. If it if it comes up, I'm cutting a person off. But no, anything else, fucking yeah, go for should, it, baby. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's it's you know it, the the <laughs> we lost, lost track there. Um, <laughs> one rule. 
Yeah, as a human, as a, as any member of society, right. here's your like number one rule. Yeah, I know, and that's not number political, one, but that's been my whole center. my whole argument for the last four years. It's been like I only got one fucking rule. Let's just man. keep that one front. <laughs> if, if, if let's not even have to mention that. Let's just keep that front and center of humanity. Well, let me. Um, did you did you re- catch your thought, or can I ask you something? No, no, go ahead. Go because ahead. you brought you made me think of something when you were talking about hitting the road. Um, because I a lot of what I deal with in my my personal creative journey and what a lot of folks who listen to this show are thinking about and, and, and struggling with and wrestling with is um, what at what point and how did you know that, all right, I'm going to pursue this creative thing and I'm going to go all in and I'm going to go for it. Because like I remember not that long ago, a year and a half was the first time I played my first open mic and I'm almost 40. And I, I remember how difficult that was making that decision just to play an open mic, you know, and I know I don't have a record or anything like that. Just putting yourself out there in it's some way, deal, yeah. you know what I mean? Like putting yourself oh, out creatively. Important. Like at what point did you go, all right, I'm all in. And was there a moment where you knew, okay, I can do this. I, I did it before I could play, before I could even really play guitar. Wow. Like it was a very, it was a, it was a, there was a part of me, a huge part of me that knew for me to do this, I had to have that mentality. And I I can't relate to that person now. I cannot relate to the person that, that had the, 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 where, or just, just had that sort of confidence to, Mm. to go play those shows. So, I mean, I was playing shows early you know, all my own music. And like, things just kind of happened because I, I just made such a conscious decision to do this with, with total purpose of, of taking it. Because that, I think that that was the only way in my mind I could deal with the, the, you know, the ridicule of doing it. And I had to be the one believing it because I, I knew that it was ridiculous you know, to others. Right. I knew that yeah. I had to trust this. And, and it, it's, it's, you know, I, I find it, like I said, I find it hard to relate to the person who did that because it, I couldn't do it now, you know, thinking back on how crazy and like confident it was or whatever. I don't know what delusional, maybe, I don't know, but it was, it, it was a conscious decision and I did it immediately um, cause I guess I had to, you know, it's amazing. I, 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 it's amazing. Do you think there, that the, that lessons were learned from your time as an athlete that translate to that? Or do you think that's like a, no, I think it's totally thing? the same. Okay. I yeah. think it's complete. I think, it's, yeah. I think in the process, because, you know, I had the, the, the arrogance, you, you know, not, not actual arrogance, right, I know but I mean. had the, the, I had the, the, I know how to stick to a plan, yeah. you know, like I'm, and I also know that I'm coachable. So once I learned, mm. once I learned that, Oh, no one, you know, you can, anybody on earth can, you can teach the guitar to anybody, Sure. you know, you, anybody on earth can get good enough where if they hear sounds in their head, they can play it on a guitar. Yep. You know, some, it may take some people six months. It may take some, some people 20 years, mm-hmm. but anyone can do it. Like it's, that's, I'm not saying anyone could be great because that's a different thing. And I don't consider myself one of the greats, but what I do know is that I have the capacity to translate what I want to, that's you know, that, and once I learned that, once that I learned wonderful. that that could happen, that's it, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's a progression there too, you know? And I think that as you get the problem is it, with people who, who most of the time, you don't get your first songs and the first open mic or the first show or the first anything you do, you're already 10 years in. So you have that critical viewpoint on your own work that like I have now, right? Mm-hmm. That if I had, if I had this, the same viewpoint on it, I do now, I wouldn't have played those. So I wouldn't have been able to go play those songs. So I think there's so much power in doing it. Just do it, you know? And like the, the, the action of it is is what's going to move the needle and what's going to give you the fulfillment if you have it in your mind to do it. If it's not something you want to do, then it's not. It doesn't mean you're less of a musician. 
Right. You know, it but you got to like, scratch that itch right away. And it seems like if there is a common thread to the creative life, it, it is that you have to do the work. And that the hard part is doing the work and letting go of the expectation, letting go. Of, oh, for like, sure. Cause we're going to be so harsh on ourselves. I mean, people who are inclined to write, whether it's music or poetry or uh, prose or whatever are, are in, generally inclined to be kind of tough on themselves. And so letting go of that and being like, all right, I'm going to do the work every day. And some of it's going to be shit and some of it's going to be great. Yeah. I've, I've seen a common thread through all like people, you know, even people, musicians who, you think are like pretty wild or that you think they're pretty, you know, aloof people. There's a common thread of work ethic mm-hmm. um, in, in all of these people that's no different than any sort of life, like our, our career. Um, the way they go about it may be different, but they, they all work really hard. Like I'm yet to, I, I know there's some people who get luckier than others and that's for sure. There's a lot, that's a lot to do with it, mm-hmm. but but there has there's been very few truly undeserving people I've ever met. Oh, that's great. Yeah, me too. I can completely. I totally agree. I, we're on episode mm-hmm. sixty something of the show, and I, oh wow, I haven't met anybody that plus twenty some bonus episodes. I mean, I've probably had a hundred of these conversations if you really add them all up with uh, all, all people whose work I really respect, and I can't think of one of them that doesn't work their ass off. To- yeah, totally. And it's like, it, it, it's, it inspires me more and more to be, I, I, I was kind of, um, just to be like totally upfront and honest, I, I was never into being collaborative because mm. that was the downside of, of the attitude that I brought to everything is that mm. I had to do it all. This is me. This is mine. It doesn't matter if it's better or worse with you involved. I'm doing it solely, yeah. you know, it's, it's my thing and what i've learned is that that's just so fear-based yeah that 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 now it's like now that i actually feel that there's a real foundation and and an actual confidence instead of like a pseudo confidence it's you start opening up to collaboration in a way where it's like oh that's that's a whole nother world of joy in these like really heavy themes yeah and and that's something i really like look forward to with this record moving forward and and whenever we're able to play shows again it's it's just bringing that mentality into things more um and i've learned that i learned that skill from just letting you know people very close to you in and initially you know man just last night my partner chris is a visual artist we were just talking about how um, she does a lot of collaborations with other artists and a lot of times it's, it's like commission type work. And we were just talking yeah. about how difficult that can be sometimes when it's two artists working together and they both respect each other. But at the same time, if it's, uh, you each have your vision and how those visions align is more challenging, I think, than even in like a business setting or a work setting normally, quote unquote, because in those other settings, it it's less personal. The work is less personal. Totally. You know, like if we're dealing with uh, stocks, it's not like this deeply personal thing. Sure, ego is going to get involved, but it's not the same thing as writing a song or painting a painting or writing right. a song yeah, or it's, a painting. It's, or, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's so, that's such a good point, man. It, it um, that's that's so true because you you you're you're letting it, it's it's hard not to be terrified just to do it in the first place and then to let someone in on you trying to find that thing that is so effing vulnerable um you know that's a that's a that's and but the funny thing is is that the greats really could do it because they don't have or for the most you know not to i like to make really like general points that are (laughs) heavily uneducated but um (laughs) but it's like you know, there, there, there's a lot of really great artists that you would think were totally shut down to that, that were actually the most encouraging because they weren't worried about you stepping on their toes. They're not they're, They have actual confidence. They, yeah. they know themselves. Yeah. When you know, when you really know yourself, you're not worried about what the next person does. You want the whole, you, you want to lift everything. You know, yeah. like I was, I read the guy Clark, um, 
biography a while back and it's like you know he was always known for for giving really good notes and like always share like oversharing songwriter credits and things like that and it's just i would have never thought that because he's he's known as, as to me as always being such like a hard ass and you know these guys wanted to personify some outlaw bullshit but it's like really in it no he just lifted everybody up around him and it came back to him yeah you know yeah um yeah i, I was the <laughs> the moment that uh that we were miscommunicating there when i was waiting on your call i was actually writing yeah. about steve earl which led me to write about guy clark um yeah of course. oh totally <laughs> i mean talk about a direct like if you if you go Steve Earle, you're getting you're, you're you're hitting two two people right after that, and we know who they are. Yeah, yeah, those are the exact two I was writing about. Um, and yeah. um, by the way, just as an aside, as a little plug, um, I've had guys, uh, longtime collaborator and guitar player Verlin Thompson on twice on my show. Oh no way! Yeah, so oh, if you want, I'll have to yeah. I'll have to go back and listen. Yeah, go listen to those, and then also Chuck Hawthorne. Do you know Chuck? I know. Remind me. I know the name. Um, I mean, he's a Texas guy. That's why I thought you might know, because I know, you know, with your connection to I Texas. Do, I, and I do that. know the name. I think I'm just with with these days are getting weird. I know. Believe me, I know. He's a songwriter, great songwriter. Check out his work. Um, and some of the stuff you will probably be familiar once you get into it. But I interviewed him. I don't know a year ago or so, and uh, we talked guy for a while. Like he had he had played with. And anyway, guy is sort of like the patron saint of the marinade. So if you listen to any there's like a 25 percent chance anytime you listen to an episode of my show that guy comes up in some way but verlin no way yeah but verlin's my buddy dude oh that's so crazy he's been so good to me and uh yeah i mean he's so good to me that like quick story i interviewed him and i wrote a piece about it and it was just like a rock star moment that i that uh i won't go into at the moment because because you know you can look it up but um he personally called me after he read the piece that I, and listened to the, the podcast and personally called me and said, Hey man, I know people don't n- normally do this. We usually just send a text or an email, but I just want to tell you, I really appreciate what you wrote. It was really well written. Um, I read these things all the time. It was just all this like gr- glowing yeah. stuff, oh, you know, so it was just like, awesome. yeah, this is these people. Right. And, and, and when he talks about guy, Cause they were like best friends, you know, mm-hmm. and, and toured together from like 1987 until guy's death. Right. So like, Verma yeah. Knows yeah. Guy and, and at the him. end, it was just the two of them. Right. Yeah. Playing a lot. It was. Yeah. And uh, on the last time I had him on the, the Verlin Thompson returns episode, the number of it escapes me at the moment. We talk about that and there's like some heavy vulnerable moments. So I think you'll really oh, dig man. it. Check it out, man. I will for sure. That's crazy. You know, usually I find myself bringing these things up and, and it's rarely people really know, like they, you, you know, the names cause sure. you know, no, everyone on earth is going to throw out towns and everyone's going to do, sure. but it's rare that it's like, Oh yeah, you ready for some real shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was the thing about guy. And you know, you mentioned that point, um, and uh, about how like, um, that, Oh, I lost my train of thought. We were talking about, um, well, collaboration, right? Oh, oh, him giving notes. Sorry, him giving notes. Yeah, because um, that idea of like, imagine getting feedback from somebody like that, and so that that's why I wanted to bring it up is because you mentioned earlier being coachable, and so um, feedback can be really difficult in a creative realm, both giving it and receiving it. And I wonder if you have mentors musically um, or uh, specifically with writing and uh who who those people are if you feel comfortable sharing them and if not like what influence that has had on your career i'll i'll tell you um you know i i don't mention it it it, it too i tr- i try to mention it more but my my partner is, is her name's Laura Mary Carter and she's she's uh one half of a, a duo that's been around for 15 years called Blood Red Shoes i mean she's She's a very successful musician out of out of London, but she's and and I I, I hesitate to mention it because people are want to always minimize things to you know sexism and it's a relationship and oh of course he's just saying this because it's his girlfriend or whatever but that's that's really not it I I've learned from her 
so much in the process of this record. I mean, she's she's who's singing back up anytime you hear a, a woman's voice, but yeah. more so about she really taught me to trust the delivery of 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 what's it, it, what's natural to my voice, and that that's really what translates, and to not try to go anywhere else, and to really be vulnerable enough to let you be you, because mm. I. No matter, you you don't even realize, a person rarely realizes they're doing it. You think you're being honest with yourself, but someone you really trust tells you, like, when you do this and forces you to live in a space that you're uncomfortable with, it translates to, to something pretty meaningful. And it's those sessions with with her there and, and you know, they, and, and her her massive influence on me as a musician. Yeah. Um through it has has i mean that's that's the a huge driver of this record that's and wonderful. like and it's 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 you know she has she has a, a a maturity to these things and and it's 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 funny too because you know she didn't grow up listening to to guy clark and towns and steve you know like we come we're coming from yeah. different worlds like she's right. a, a punk rocker you know uh -huh. when she was growing up it's like that, and so we don't share those influences. But what we, so it makes it even more powerful when someone connects to you on something that you think should be this ultimately. I, I'm my authentic songwriter from the south, and you don't know the real. You know, you can go down all those roads, but the fact is, when someone is as talented as that, it translates to all genres. Mm -hmm. You know, and like if you're if you're doing you, if you can really hone into what it is that you're doing, that makes you, it, it, that you sound like you, that you play like you, that you write like you, and you don't get in, you, if if you can hone into that, holy shit, you know, keep those people around. You know, I know I drive her crazy, but it's like that's that's undeniable. That's beautiful, man. I yeah, totally agree. Quality is quality, and truth is truth. And when you can hit those two things, one of them begets the other too. You know, when you're telling the truth, oh, totally. it's so yeah. often of quality. That's beautiful, man. Um, and it's like just you know, I I don't know how far down that road I want to go, but it's it's. I feel like, you know, being around her, who who's been a woman in rock and roll and in, in the music industry overall, and seeing what. I thought I had a real grip on like how sexism and, and is, is how bad it is. Right. And like, Oh, you know, girls and women have had a really hard time for sure. But when you actually hear first person accounts from someone that you love and respect about what, how different it really is for a woman in any creative field, you know, that alone is enough to make you want to step it up yeah. as an artist and as a, as a man, as a person. But like then when that person is helping shape what you're doing without any ego involved, like most men would bring, yeah. it's, you know, or most people, that's, that's like, that's how I want to start living. I want to be like that because I, I'm very quick to think I'm right, you know, <laughs> and I think we all kind of have to be to have the audacity to, to write, to have the audacity to be someone who thinks you should sing your song above someone else in the world. Well, and you know? also I, being... You know, I mean, I'm, gr I'm not going to speak for you on this, but for me, growing up as a white guy in America, there, like, I was told that, basically, that I was right, oh, totally. and that I was supposed to be right, and that I was supposed to run things, and uh, e It's reinforced whether you were told it or not. Yeah, I, I mean, as I look back, though, there were moments where it was explicitly told to me that that's how things were, you know? Lots of right. moments, yeah. really, if I'm being honest. Um, so wrestling with that and, and, you know, not, I don't mean this as a woe is me, uh, uh, statement. I mean that as a, uh, a consciousness statement, like to, to be aware of that fact and to work on that constantly, because if you spend the first however many years of your life being told that, um, and you come to grips with the idea that, wait, that's not right. That's not how things should be. Oh yeah. Um, then you got to do the work to undo all the shit and being honest with yourself about when you fall short of that is really challenging sometimes, but it's the work that has to continually be done. Oh dude, I, I completely agree. And it's like, you know, I didn't, there's, there's, uh, 
agreeing completely with what you're saying and and adding that you can use your struggle and though because and and like for me like i i have to come from a place of like my extreme views of inner turmoil right Mm -hmm. even to get to do that and be able to access that is part of the privilege that i've been given right right and like there's and I think that's totally acceptable. I, what I think is that the empathy uh, uh, and, and, and the reality that those privileges exist is the only way you ever make change. Because, if, you know, ignorance isn't bliss. Ignorance is the worst. I mean, that's, that's insane. That's what's yeah. led us to where we're at, not to go down that road, but we know it. Right. And I think as an artist, though, both of those things can live in the same place. I can, mm-hmm. I can write as devastatingly honest about my experience in increments and in in my truth because that's all i know and still know that i am coming from an extreme place of privilege compared to what society has taught other races and genders and the entire world functions wow. you know mm-hmm. yes 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 and yes <laughs> it's <like> rant over <laughs> perfect rant put a bow on it um I can just you've been, you've given me more than I could possibly have asked, but a couple more quick things. What uh, this has been such a delight, man. Thank you. And the record is wonderful. It comes out Friday. Giving up on quitting. Um, it's uh, I say Friday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um, I should have this out to the world by Monday at the latest. So um, if you're hearing this, oh, um, awesome! After it's been released, it's it's brand spanking new. It's still fresh. You can still um, get excited about it and it will get you excited. Folks who are listening. Um, uh, What are you, this is how we kind of end things typically is what are you consuming art wise at the moment? You've talked about a couple of books and, and authors that have influenced you. What are like, what music are you listening to or what shows are you watching? Like what has, what is in your life right now? Art wise, that's really got you fired up. Um, let's see. I'm listening to the new Jason Isbell record. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kind of sitting with that because the, the I, I find with with those records, I have to really put it on repeat to get in yeah, into. So. You know, there's some there's a lot of nuance and layers going on in that dude's writing. My, Holy my copy got here last Wednesday, so it's pretty much other than your record getting ready for the. I, I've only listened to you and Jason Isbell for the last week, basically. <laughs> no way oh dude, yeah. that's, that's amazing. um let's see what and and oh i just read the best biography i've ever read and it, it i didn't i i i started reading it like slower just because i didn't want it to end but um let me i can't remember the author's name but it's it's the leonard cohen biography the life of leonard cohen by sylvie simmons okay and dude it for I don't know if it's just the time or what what's going on right now, yeah. It, personally and whatever, but it's like that is the best biography I've ever read of a musician. It's so good and so well done. Um, so I just I just finished that and I'm I'm primed for for a new read and I'm I'm right now I'm just ready to get this record out and you know. Well, that's exciting, that. man. Because I mean, you know, I, I try not to to talk to compare or whatever, but there's definitely there, there's clearly Leonard Cohen influence in this record. <laughs> yeah, I think, dude. There, I can't get around it. You yeah, know? I just I, I I love him so much. <laughs> uh, we went to uh, Chris and I went to Montreal last summer, and um, oh yeah, yeah, and at the time that was i just going to montreal i associate montreal in my mind with the expos and leonard cohen so i um, yeah oh for sure (laughs) so i listened to a ton of leonard cohen then and since and once you get you know how i I don't know everybody's experience is different but for me um the times that i i don't gravitate toward him and the times that i because there's so much and so heavy but once i get there i just get stuck there for a while it's kind of like dylan yeah like i don't just dial up blood on the tracks but when i do i'm just like oh shit here i go for a couple weeks yeah here it is i can't (laughs) no that's so true i think that's like i think a lot of people get there with him because dude you can't just like casually put on leonard cohen every now and then (laughs) like you're not gonna dip your toe in that water and be like Oh yeah, I think this is how I'm going to start my day. Just generally, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, man. Um, how close did you live to, and I know nothing about New Mexico, so that's, except I just read a book that took place there. Um, how close did you live to Magdalena? Oh, not far at all. Have you read um, but, Karen Sia, the book Karen Sia? I know it. I haven't okay. read it. All right. Yeah, I'm just curious since you grew up there, like how, I mean, that was in the, it takes place in the early 80s, I guess, late 70s. And I'm, uh, I'm just kind of curious, like, I think you dig the book. Maybe that should, um, maybe that should be the next read I go. Yeah, it's kind of hard to find. I, my library had it. We have this amazing library system here in Orlando, but um, it's kind of hard to find. But if you can find it and get a copy, um, that'd be What is it called again? Karen Cia, Q-U-E-R-E-N-C-I-A. Stephen okay. Bodio. That is I, not, that's not what I thought you said. Okay, that's, okay. no, I don't know it. Yeah, I mean, I may be mispronouncing shit. It's Spanish. No, word no, and, I, yeah. I, I, I'm just writing it down so I can go down the Google rabbit hole with it. Yeah, Stephen, but B O D I O, and I may be butchering his last name also, but that's how that's his last Stephen Bodio, B O D I O. Anyway, oh, yeah, I loved it. it. It's yeah. a real short read, um, but it, it's it's uh, kind of heavy, but it's short, so it's that it sounds like it'd be up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure i just i'm ready i think i'm just gonna tw- after this record comes out just like you know the really just go go darker this is a this is a warm-up <laughs> well do you, do you have any sense of like uh, uh and th- i've been doing these interviews throughout quarantine and throughout this crisis and it's been so interesting because like when when it first started we were all kind of going, well, I don't fucking know. What are you doing? I don't know. What are you yeah. doing? Like, what's going to happen? And now I feel like we have a little bit clearer picture of what's actually happening and less of a, a clear picture about when the fuck are we going to be able to go to shows again? Oh, my God. I know. That's, how, that's exactly how I feel. It feels – I mean, I have to just try to keep it on paper where it's like, okay, they're scheduling shows for early next year. Like that's like, I see the ones in the fall and it's like, eh, I don't know yeah, about that. Yeah. You know, right. that's not, I wouldn't bet the farm on those, but at least they're, you know, they're rescheduling serious tours for early next year. Right. And that, that at least is like a, a, a goalpost or something, you know, yeah, it's, it's like point. what kills me is the is, 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 are these press conferences that they you guys I don't know if you guys are getting them too but in LA that you get these press conferences and it's like I, it's like watching a reality show with these with the politicians and it's every day it's a totally different time frame I mean like not even not even in the same you know three month span yeah of of what they're giving and so it's just I just stop you know yeah. I just I just follow I follow the rules and like that's it. And that, yeah. cause that's the only way I'm staying the same. Cause I think, I think once I start opening that can of worms, holy shit, you know, it's this, this is too much, too much contra- contradicting information. Right. Sure. And yeah. And I mean, I'm in Florida, so we're, you know, we're always on the, on the, we're the bellwether for crazy usually. And, and, um, I honestly yeah, yeah. was always sort of like, um, I always bristled at that. I really did. Like, because I live it, right? I live here and yeah. I live here for a reason and I love it here. And so uh, the Florida man kind of tropes and so forth are always like, I, I found it them offensive. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. I found them offensive because yeah, I'm like, totally. well, we're, we got 22 million people and you're in Delaware giving me shit. Like, yeah. Oh, exactly. You know, it's like, like <laughs> you know, some asshole in Des Moines telling you. Yeah. I'm just like, I mean, no yeah. disrespect to where you live, but like, if you had 22 million people on a potential like this with, great weather shit would happen <laughs> like y'all would get into some more shit but than like, you it's, do <laughs> it's no different than like when someone out here you know they start they do like a southern accent impression that's like just so it's like man i would just want to slap the shit out of you because right. they don't understand like like I, what if i do a california bimbo and right. say that you're like all what like it yeah. just it goes back to rule number one right it does <laughs> It does. It goes back to rule number one. So I won't even get into how shitty our leaders are handling this because you just dropped the mic, and that's perfect. Uh, your record <laughs> comes out Friday, uh, Friday from when I'm recording this, giving up on quitting. This was way more than I could have possibly asked for. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Dude, I really, really enjoyed it. Any, you know, I, I can't that's thank great. you enough for having me. That's great. Fun talking.
Awesome. All right, man. Be good. Be safe. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye.